0: Hi guys, just a quick message ahead of the next podcast and unfortunately the next few podcasts, there was a technical difficulty that I have only now discovered on editing, which is the issue when you're editing a bulk bunch of episodes and way after they were recorded. And so, yes, unfortunately, my microphone wasn't fully recording Probably It was only recording a portion of the actual uh, input. So it was very muffled and poor quality. It sounded like I was in weird some amphitheater or something. I've now been able to boost it and get it to sound at least at the same volume as the other guys. But it's definitely lacking in quality, at, um, which I'm pretty gutted about. Uh, you know I'm very gutted about it it's also the fact that it's the end of the ranking episodes and these are going to be affected as well I've listened to a bit of them they have the same issues so yeah just to make you aware of that um, going into this episode that it, uh, it's just an unfortunate thing that's happened and I've I've learned my lesson but anyways hope you can enjoy the rest of the episodes, and uh, we'll see you next time bye bye
1: welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here for another thrilling, tantalising episode of the Bond Dad Project. Ranking Bond continues. We are here to discuss Bond Has Dated. That's right. I'll just let that theme play right now.
2: Bond is dated. Bond is dated. Sexist, misogynist. He don't care. Bond is dated. Licence to offend.
1: And yep, so we are here to discuss... The uh the area of the franchise that uh, they probably don't want us to discuss. That's where things didn't quite work out. Time has changed social norms, things like that. We look back in a 2020 lens and can say, yeah, that's maybe not the best. With me to discuss this are my three Bond aficionados: Francis Murphy, Yo Yo Yo, Steve McCall,
3: a very good afternoon to you all,
1: and Gordon Webster. Good evening, Mr. Barry. Good evening to you all, and thanks again, Fran, for joining us. You've uh, you're back from your assignment, obviously.
2: Yep, yep. Um, obviously, I can't discuss the ins and outs of it on a public forum, but uh, suffice it to say, things went very, very well for uh, MI6 and very badly for everybody else.
1: Excellent. That's good to hear. Um, Okay, okay. Let's uh, get to the topic at hand. Well, I understand. It. Um, so yeah, I was just saying off, mic, I've written up sort of the uh, list of things I think can think of off the top of my head when I think of the films that were talking points for where things of uh, social norms have changed that make that film maybe age slightly worse than others. Um, so very brief note. Some of them out of context look ridiculous. Um, but what we'll do is we'll first just go over general. Our, our main one we want to bring and talk about that so you feel that, uh, is a definite kind of where Bond has dated moment uh, Bond has dated. and then we'll look at these afterwards and again some of them definitely are you know not all there's there's a scale here with this stuff I said to you guys off air that I feel like there's the some the some moments in Bond that's just a bit growing worthy I think there's so many little stereotype moments things like that that's just a bit like oh really guys it's not. It's maybe down to just the lazy writing. It's not necessarily, you know, the sort of the really bad, really serious stuff that uh, you look back and think, oh, that's quite reprehensible actually. If that was to be real life, um, 2020 kind of material. But uh, let's let's start then. Steve, we'll start with you. But, uh, what is one of your top? Bond's dated moments, if
3: that's a thing. <laughs> Bond's Yeah, I think it is. It, is it a top moment. Is it a bottom moment. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to start off with octopusy. Uh, okay. One particular moment, one particular line that just grates with me. Now, there's a scene, obviously, in India, which we we pointed out in the original podcast is full of all of the. Indian stereotypes, the running through hawk coals, the sword swallower, the snake charmer, the man on the bed of nails, or whatever. That's all, I mean, it's, it's grown worthy it's a little bit sort of annoying, but I can take that right up until the point where Bond hands the money over to someone and says, that'll keep you in curry for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I just, every time, I just, I can't help but grab my foreheads, And I think... The reason that I've got a particular sort of annoyance of this line is, I think, because of the p- the potential real life impact. Because this was, I mean, this was 1983. The 80s was when you it's it becomes slightly more difficult, I think, to forgive and say, "Oh, it was it was like that at the time or whatever." And it was this. ultimately was a PG when it was released in 1983, which means it's suitable for anyone aged eight or older. So what I can't help but imagine is this sort of young teenager, young boy or whatever, hearing that line and seeing a cinema full of people laugh mm-hmm. yeah. and then walking into their local corner shop, for example, with their mates and repeating it. Yeah. And I mean, the 80s was a time in particular, the level of hostility towards the Asian community. Um, I mean, they'd gone through the 60s and 70s. It was still rife in the 1980s. The P word was still being used commonly to describe, to describe people and to describe you know small local corner shops whatever it's a, a pretty disgusting time and i just i can't i struggled more to let it away to let Octopus away with it because it was 1983 and i just can't help feeling that they they should have known better there was at least two decades of that level of sort of hatred towards that particular community they should have seen that i think as a potential flashpoint and it's a throwaway line i get it it's not um it's not a significant part of the film that it kind of hinges on or anything like that it's a throwaway but it just feels kind of unnecessary and it's one that particularly annoys me
1: i agree it's a shame because Octopus is in all many ways such a fun film it's got this real sense of tongue-in-cheek bond humor um and well some of that is obviously with the stereotypes but there's, there's points where it's not about that, and they still carry off the humour well. And it's a shame they came off the back of about three films for me that didn't have any of the. Book. I don't think we played the Bond estate theme much, from Spy Who Loved Me through to For Your Eyes Only. Um, yeah. So it was kind of like a harken back kind of feel that this one had to the, the Guy Hamilton era and sort of that sort of kind of sleazy esque humour. I don't know if that's the word for it, but. Um, yeah, that's that's where the disappointment comes from me. That they, they went they went backwards a little with that because otherwise I think Octopussy has some great villains. It has you know it has an interesting setting and it does use it well uh, in other ways. Um, but yeah, that the, the dialogue really lets it down.
3: It's it's unfortunate because you're right. Octopussy is one of the one of the absolute greats uh, Bond films. But there's a, I think because they set it a lot in India, there was a I think a. I need, I think, to pander to that British audience that there there will be a, a particular age of people watching that film when it came out who would find a lot of that kind of colonial stuff hilarious. And there was a need. They, it's something back then they did every two or three films. It kind of they eased off on the the sexism, the racism, the stereotypes, and then went, oh, we haven't done that for a while. Let's bring it back again. And I, think, I think when they decided to set a film in India, someone went, right, we can't resist. We've got to throw some of that humour in. And it, it just hasn't aged well.
1: Yeah. It's like Aladdin, I think, was it's I remember thinking at the time watching it, um, some of that stuff was so ridiculous. It was like that cartoon. Um, but yeah, completely agree yes, on that. exactly. Okie dokie. Gordon, come to you for this one.
4: Yeah, well, I was going to add something to that, yeah, because I wrote that down. The, the the line from Roger there, keep you in curry for a few weeks, it didn't seem right. I mean, Bond, it was... It was a very classy film in a lot of ways, and that was a classy scene, Bond bettering the villain in the casino, and he's got his full, like, white dinner jacket. And then it's like the sort of line some guy would say in the bookies, you know, just a kind of common a common Joe in the bookies or the pub. It, it just it didn't feel right, especially Roger Moore's classy Bond, so it was strange. It was very yeah. strange, that, but, but I can, I, yeah, I see what you mean about the whole octopusy thing. Um, the, well, the main, if you're looking at the kind of main thing, to me, um, I mean, growing up, with Bond from such a long, a young age. There was um, nothing ever get. I guess that's part of the reason it, it was. Is after, especially watching the films with you guys, there's, there's things you notice. And I think actually, hang on, yeah, there's something not right about that. I think even from quite a young age, there was things about Doctor No. Uh, there's not, like I said, I mean, there's not a lot I really get hung up with about the franchise. But it's when you notice things, Doctor No. Those kind of the most obvious. There's there's various bits, obviously it's the most obvious lines like bond on on crab key telling Quarrel, um just kind of commanding him fetch my shoes you know that that is pretty obvious but it's the whole thing as well with Quarrel, and he's such a great ally for bond it's like as soon as it's really weird right because Quarrel's a fisherman in crab key i used to assume he was a cia operative as well but i don't think he is but He's just a fisherman, and and he's actually... At first, he's quite commanding over Bond, and is quite um, resistant when Bond, uh, like... uh, Bond's actually quite pleasant to him at first, but Quarrel's the one that's unpleasant to Bond, but it's like as soon as Bond gets together with and they shake hands, Bond's always, like, commanding over Quarrel, and it's like Quarrel just assumes that he's... that Bond's in charge of him, but he doesn't even work for Bond, but he calls... You'll notice through the film, he calls him Captain, but yeah. why is he calling him Captain? Because Bond's not, he's not really in charge of him. It's like, there's an assumption there that Bond's sort and Bond obviously ordered, he does order around, the, you know, various people around Jamaica. It's a bit, you know, that uh, it was, the thing is as well, let's see with Dr. No, right? A lot of that comes from the book. And I read the book um, when I was young, and it, it did alarm me when I was young, some, just some of Fleming's terms. And the thing is, I know it was 1962, but they were bringing Bond to the big screen for mass audiences. They wanted to give it as close to the novel as possible, so I get that, but there must have been bits where they were looking through it and thought, we're, we're showing this to a worldwide audience, you can't really have that, but they still, like, transferred some of this sort of racism into the the film, and that's just, like, a classic example.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, Gordon, exactly, with all of that. Um that's that's what makes it slightly uncomfortable. I think that they felt that was acceptable. Maybe when you start looking into motivation, you obviously get it's it's a very great area and you're kind of subjective, but it sounds like, you know, the 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 obviously the whites or whatever um would dollar or pound, whatever would be not have an issue with it and therefore that was more important at this time. So who knows? But yeah, the fetch my shoes line is yeah, that's not it's not great. One of the the more obvious um, points in the film where you can definitely see that sort of imperialism that comes through in the writing. Um,
4: yeah, I know, Stephen. And the thing is, as well, right from the off, again, similar talks Octopus, Bond's a very classy character. You know, you see him in the casino at the start. Um, well, with certain things, obviously, with like, some of the women in that film as well. Maybe with Miss Taro as well in her house. There's, he's a bit kind of overpowering over her, but like kind of pulling her with the light like, by her. Our towel and all that, but um, there there was an element, a real element of class to that was partly what made Connery's Bond. But as soon as he says "fetch my shoes" like that, that was just totally classless. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's it's dragging the character down a bit. It's a shame because Doctor No,
1: um, I have a real soft spot for Doctor No because I'm just impressed that for the first film they nearly got it. They nailed so much the casting, everything, the the style. All of it, the music, um, and then that you remember that, and it's like, ah, uh, it's a, a bit of a stain, I think, on the film. It's not like it's not completely ruining it, and all that kind of stuff. I still, I still really enjoy it. It's still up there in my top, my top films of the Bond franchise. But it is a point that I have to sort of like, sort of accept and go, oh God, yeah, that's that's there. And also, I don't know if I'm looking into this, but do you feel that Quarrel? I don't know, if the actor. How, how he was in person but do you feel that the actor put on a kind of sim- he spoke a little simplistically like yeah I know what you mean yeah the, the reason I bring it up is I remember watching a documentary um, about black actors in films over the years and they all said you know the way the things that people have said to them all that kind of stuff was pretty awful but one of them was that they were usually instructed by a director to speak a certain way it was expected that an audience expected to speak a certain way and it usually was a kind of um, it wasn't representative of how they actually spoke, and I wasn't sure if this is an example of that. I couldn't. I, I'm not. I'm not fully clued up on it, but it, it did feel like he wasn't. He was simplistic is the word I'm coming. Uh, coming up with. just like submissive, I suppose. And like calling him the, the dialogue doesn't help. you pointed pointing out, Gordon. they call yeah calling Connor cap captain. That's a good
4: observation. Yeah, even when I when I watched at a very young age, I kept thinking to myself, why does he repeatedly call him Captain? At that yeah. age, you just think, oh, that, that's kind of, like, a quirky thing, but it's it's weird. But I know what you mean about that, the way Quarrel speaks, but the think, at least, though, see, Quarrel could have been such a better character to cut all that out, but I still think, because he's such a strong ally, there's just... He's still... Su- he still is such a strong ally, you know, there, like, there's enough there to make him mm. so memorable. I love how there's even, like, an invincibility to Quarrel, because... See um the the lady who's the photographer for the newspaper, but she actually works for Doctor No. This is pretty brutal, man. Like she pulls it. I think it's meant to be the flashbulb for the camera. She hits Quarrel in the face with it. He doesn't even. He just you know says it's like like all the top allies. He's a real tough nut, you know. So there, there's there's so many little things about Quarrel that are so good. But I then I suppose like in Crab Key, yeah, he's calling them cats all the time. It's like. And he's behaving. He's been. I guess he's been simplistic as well. As soon as he sees a sign of trouble, what does he do? Instead of dealing with it in the the right way, he goes running to Bond. Mm. A, it's like you know, almost like a kid run to a teacher. It's a bit it's kind of like a white savior type thing. Also, like the
1: the fact that they wrote him so like the thing that he felt that the what was that uh, machine. The dragon or whatever, like you know, obviously they yeah. kind of wrote him to believe that this was a real dragon, and all that you know. That it kind of doesn't come across well either. Um. So yeah, they uh, let they let us side down a little on that. Uh, Fran, come to you then.
2: Okay, well, I'm going to go to the. I'm going to go right to the core of the matter. <laughs> the yeah,
3: we see. Yep, yeah, let's
2: see where this um, goes. Yeah. So, uh. Why don't we have a little discussion about pussy galore?
3: Mm, yeah, uh... I think that has to happen. I'm surprised it's taken. I say I'm surprised it's taken this long. I went first and could have brought it up. But... <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> well,
1: about kind of... it comes We're up. Build, yes. building up to. It. We're building up to the main event. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've written in my notes. Trying just this is all. I'll say turning pussy galore essentially is the the note I've written here. Um, I'll let you go on. <laughs> yeah.
2: to
1: discuss this.
2: Well, you know, it's 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 one of those things where. And and it's probably been clear throughout the, the Bond Daft project, right? And maybe even Star Trek and other and other things that we've looked at that um I'm, I'm I i do not have a lot of patience for hand wringing sensitivity. Do you know what I mean? I'm 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 not a fan of like overly sensitive uh drips who just can't stand anything. Do you know what I, mean? I don't like that. I think it it like it it it's like what get over you say, yourself, I, I, but, but, but at the same time, I suppose it's like the equivalent of sticks and stones will break your bones, do you know what I mean? It's like, get get a backbone, do you know what I mean? Get, get a grip, kind of thing. But the thing is, there are some things like this, there are, there are things, and I've got other things on this list, there are things that are quantifiably awful, hmm. that are really terrible, do you know what I mean? That... You know, the, the shall I put it in a certain way? That even I, am I'm gazing at the floor in in horror. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, <laughs> so, that's the thing. Like I'm a good, I'm a good indicator of when something is truly deplorable. Because see, if I am shocked and offended by something, then it must be the worst thing ever. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be really up there on the scale. Like, you, I'm not the boy who cried wolf of offence. Do you know what I mean? in any stretch, you can take it seriously if I'm con- uncomfortable, and when that scene was on and we were watching it that time I, I just, I, I could not I couldn't believe what I was seeing, do you know what I, mean? I, I was like, oh my god So let's,
1: let's be clear for anyone, for some reason who hasn't watched the film, this is obviously the scene in the Hay the Barn with uh, Connery's Bond and Pussy Galore essentially, it starts out kind of like playful um, play fight would you say uh huh. Well, yeah. Or much worse.
2: Uh uh-huh. Well, I don't even. There's obviously some kind of chemistry between them. But the thing is, like, people always assume that if you're married or if you're in a couple or if you're attracted to each other, that the guy can't rape a woman or a woman can't rape a guy, right? But, or whatever, right? But these things can happen, where even if some, you know, it's it, it because there's a chemistry between people, doesn't it? Doesn't Follow through a hundred percent that something will happen, or that either one of them will want to do something all the time. Do you know what I mean? And it was one of those cases where Pussy, Pussy Galore, in this case, was obviously not interested in sleeping with Bond or having sex with him at all, right? And Bond, I mean, he basically, he basically raped her. Yeah.
1: Maybe. I mean, let's let's not mince words here. The, uh, she yeah. says, uh, she said earlier in the film, she's immune to his charms, which is the only indication that she's not. Um, that she is a lesbian. I think the book. She was a lesbian. I think the character was. The film doesn't go into that. Um, but that's the line that maybe indicates that that is true. And I didn't really get the feeling there was that kind of real sexual tension between them. To be honest, by that.
2: Well, I, I don't you know? think so. I don't think so either. I guess I'm just, you know, I'm, I guess I'm countering an argument that you might get from some people that because they're so used to the, the way that it's structured with Bond and Bond girls in the films. Do you know what I mean? But. Yeah, I mean it's got to be that's got to be the absolute pinnacle. I mean, not only of Bond is dated, but I mean Bond is dated. I I I've got to believe that people at some people at the time might have been like, Oh my god, do you know what I mean? I, it was bad even then, I think. Do you know what I mean? It's Um but, well not really. It's never
1: discussed when you Pussy Pussy isn't mentioned, it's obviously not in any kind of like sort of any insensitivity, in but that stuff doesn't ever come up. She's obviously a great character and in, in, in many ways, and it would be a shame actually if that did kind of um, overshadow it but um, I've seen on like sort of people lists of things that were Bond stated it's actually the next film it's the one that kind of gets more like raised higher like that's the one that's uh, seen somehow worse I, I mean they're both just as bad as each other I think does Pussy Galore say the words no? She actually is trying to refuse it, isn't
2: uh-huh. she? I can't remember for sure, but I, I mean,
1: I, you know... Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. She clearly wasn't interested and he kind of perseveres. Like, it's really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> so bad.
2: So bad. I mean, followed closely. Followed very closely by one. Of, I actually find it hilarious this one, like, but it's terrible at the same time, right? Where uh, remember in Thunderball when Bond is on that machine thing, and then the villain presses the buttons and it starts to kill him it's like a medical machine yeah. and then the nurse comes and saves his life mm-hmm. and bond right basically any normal person would be like thank you nurse i'm really grateful to you for for saving my life right what does bond do he blackmails her into sleeping with him yeah <laughs> i mean it's so ridiculous yeah. it's so bad i mean not even i mean it, it kind of it's a combination of it being dated but also just outrageous you so, know i mean like, I, I mean that those are two examples of absolutely outrageous writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Involving I, women. I mean, now, okay. Another complaint people have is bond slaps, women and all this, right? But let's let's have a little thought experiment here, okay? I need to think about this, and and I've had this discussion a few times. Is, with people this, right? is this related
1: to what we're talking about here? Well, is it's, it's to do with not?
2: it being dated, okay? It's about whether it's dated or not, right? Now, sexual assault, blackmail. To have sex, all those things, 100% racism yeah, do you know what I mean, I'm like yep, totally wrong, totally dated and all that kind of thing right, another complaint people have, it, it's kind of odd and it's weird, because I was talking to a colleague about this and and, and uh, a female colleague actually, and, and she, we both kind of agreed it was odd, right we we could understand how it was happening, right so, one slaps a lot of women, it does, right now the discussion me and my female colleague were having was is it? It was. It was an interesting kind of debate. We were thinking. we weren't really debating. We were just hashing it out. Is it wrong? Is it more wrong for men to hit women than it is for women to hit men? And if so, why? In an equal world, do you see where we're coming from? And she. It was really interesting this conversation because it's clearly true that men are bigger and stronger, and that's why they shouldn't hit women. Generally speaking, it's not really fair. Do you know what I mean? It's just not fair. I. I, think, but yeah. I will
3: let you finish, but I'm I'm going to jump in on that one. But it's yeah, one of those. Same.
2: But it's one of those things where, you know, um, but I, I I don't really know how to describe it. Like women slap men in the face all the time, don't they? When when, when, when do we get women
1: slapping
4: Bond?
2: Women slap bond men films? in the movies all the time. No, it, no, no I, I, in the
4: Bond films.
2: I I don't know actually. I, I can't yeah, remember, when, I, when, I when, remember. I'm pretty sure there's at
4: the least once. I'm just trying, trying to think. I think yeah. it happens.
2: No, at not that I guess like. That's where I feel like there's some kind of, there's room, not to, not for debate, because I mean, I'll mean i put it this way, right? I, I think people slapping each other is wrong in the face and all that. I don't think it's really a good thing to be doing, right? I, I mean, unless you're like, an enemy with somebody or whatever, like it's an enemy fight or something like that. But I don't think particularly, like, I mean, I think it's dated in the sense that it's, because it is more acceptable for women to physically strike men than it is for men to strike women these days.
1: It's not acceptable
2: that, for anyone to hit anyone. But women slap men in the face when they're offended all the time, and nobody ever says anything. When we're... I wouldn't
3: say nobody says anything either.
2: That would yeah, that's wrong. Okay, fine. Walk up to a woman and call her fat, and see what she does to you. Why? Well, why would you do that? That's also I know, but that's what I'm. I, uh, but what I'm saying Wait, is so that, you're just kind of like trying to. It's,
1: that's a no,
2: weird it's argument. not. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not a fucking weird argument, right? It's a really <laughs> simple argument. The argument is that it's dated because it's really unacceptable to strike women um these days whereas i mean i think in my personal opinion it's wrong to, to strike anybody you know what i mean but but you will have lots of scenes in movies and tv shows today where it's perfectly acceptable to strike men
3: i think i'm gonna because from my perspective it's more wrong for a man to hit a woman than it is for a woman to hit a man for exactly the same reason that it's more wrong for a white person to be racist about a black person than supposedly racism against white people. It's the history of putting people down and it's the, you know, we've lived pretty much an entire, you know, generations and generations of men having power over women and exerting that power and, you know, having control and being in positions of power effectively. And it's that kind of it's against that backdrop that I would argue that it is worse for a man to hit a woman.
2: See this is what I wanted to get this is what I wanted to get out of somebody. So here's the thing, uh, Steve McCall, right? So here's a I'm not disagreeing with you at all, actually. But what I want to know is, um do you think that there was an element of like it was like when Bond is hitting the woman, it was almost like parents smacking their child, it was like a discipline thing.
3: Well, it probably was, but that's almost even worse. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what
2: I'm saying. It was like an attitude. That's what I'm trying to get. I'm I'm manipulating here. I'm trying to get... You know how you to do this, Steve McCall. You work in Journalism. (laughs)
3: <laughs> There's a devil's advocate thing going on here, which uh, I'm, I'm mindful of, and that's it's, it's fair. It's a I think he of
2: getting, you generally think as like, no, well. I, well, my, my opinion is that all violence against people, like outside of defending yourself, do you know what I mean? I, th- I think it's wrong, but, yeah. I, I, but the historical context is what I was looking for because yeah. what I'm saying, Bond, is what I'm trying to get is how it's dated. Do you know Bond's what I mean? Dated. And it's dated because of what Steve's saying there. Steve could say that a million times better than I ever could. Yeah, so, I think
1: you made a great point there, Steve. This is obviously it's good because this is what's going to come up certainly. Anyway, there's examples in the films uh, of this happening.
2: So, oh, yeah. there's lots. Mm. See, that's um, I mean, um, in particular, um, Are you,
1: example, with love. Yeah, so for with love. Uh, so, would you argue that him hitting t- Tatiana then is not a bond dated moment? That's actually no, I think- acceptable.
2: No, no, I think it is. It was just I was what I was interested in was getting to to. I guess I wasn't quite sure. I, I guess I wasn't quite sure how to define how it's dated, even though I know that it has dated. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's why I wanted to kind of, you know, because to me, you know, I recoil looking at a man slapping a woman as well. But I was thinking to myself, but it but it opens I mean, up a discussion I, 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 in I, my I,
1: mind. I suppose I question that because you kind of. Said earlier that you don't, and you feel that it's acceptable. if
2: no, no. Like, let me put it this way, right? This is a real problem we have in today's world, where if someone thinks that just because you think something else is wrong, doesn't mean you don't think that the other thing is wrong too. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just because I think it's. Just because I'm 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 slightly irked when I see a woman slap a man in the face doesn't mean I, d- I don't think it's terrible when a man slaps a woman. Do you know what I mean? And I actually think it's worse. I mean, I do think it's worse for men to slap women. Maybe not so much. I, I understand where Steve McCall's coming from there, and that's why I kind of wanted him. To, I was hoping he was going to say something like that because he, I know you have that opinion, Steve, and I know that I he can say it better than me. But like, and and I mean, maybe my view is slightly more old-fashioned in the sense that I think it's wrong for men to hit women because. Because they could, you know, ge- some women are bigger and stronger than men, absolutely right. But generally speaking, you go around. I mean, uh, you know, you could. I just don't think it's right. I basically was brought up with three wee sisters and always told, "Don't," you know. I mean, it's just the way that my mentality is, not to. So yeah, agree just like, with us then.
1: That obviously these are really dated moments then in the films.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting that each one of us probably has a slightly different view on how it's dated or what the context is, or or. Or a mixture of it, do you know what I mean? Like Steve Stephen Barry, for instance, Like, what's is your, is your view on it dating the same as Steve McCall, would you say? Uh,
1: yeah, exactly. You've, he just summed it up so much better than I could. That's there's, exactly some
2: people, there's some people who probably... I don't think there's anybody in the world right now, well, there probably is, but a very small minority of people would think that that's okay. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just think what's interesting is all the people who disagree with, with hitting women will have slightly... Pardon me, we'll have slightly different views on why, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, so Tatiana then on that moment, that would mm-hmm. you know, obviously we could just go through the films now and... Just a fucking funny one though. Right,
2: I'm only going to say one more, right? Oh God. I mean, it's just so bad, some of this stuff, right? I just can't believe how dated some of this stuff is. And it's not even dated, it's just morally bankrupt, right? Um, when uh, uh Okay, now I love Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I love it, right? But what I don't love is James Bond taking advantage of the mentally ill to sleep with them. (laughs) I mean, it's just so bad. Mm. Like, there's patients in there with problems. Bond is taking advantage of these mental problems to sleep with these women, do you know what I mean? And it's just, just, isn't that just utterly scandalous?
3: This is at the allergy clinic on top of Ah, the mountain. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I see where you're going with that. Yeah, they are obviously very vulnerable. What we would see now is very vulnerable, troubled, almost. Testers potentially trafficked because they're obviously all from kind of different countries, and the way they're being treated and brainwashed is, is horrific. So yeah, that that's a particularly that's a particularly bad of the bad examples. Yes,
2: because th- yeah, I mean it's kind of up there with the, um, like black like basically the ones I hate the most, right? and I kind of threw in the in one, right, because you can't really avoid it, but also it's an interesting debate, but, like, blackmailing a woman to sleep with you, raping a woman, sleeping with people who are mentally ill or compromised are all, like, almost at the pinnacle of the absolute worst behaviour imaginable. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, do you see where I'm coming from? Like, that's, to me, like, deplorable. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if I ever found out anybody I knew ever did, and, like, I could never speak to them again or even look at them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just so bad.
4: I think maybe that, goes back to maybe what I was saying last week about Bond and Solitaire Fran. I think they were maybe trying to bring Fleming's Bond into that in a way because in the books there was that darker side of the bond which maybe we shouldn't have seen in the in the films to a mass audience. The fi- because a secret agent probably would do that. He would sleep with any woman if it's gonna you know, he'll look at the greater good. The greater good's like saving the world and stopping um, you know, protecting national security. So I can you can it, it sh- you know as it's, there are big problems in the films, but I can, I can kind of see why Bond, in Bond's position, was doing that, if that makes sense. Right. I wonder really, does it? it just... Is it one more time, sorry? Does it the solitaire live and let die? Yeah. No, the whole thing, we were talking about how, you remember, obviously, he takes her virginity by, like, tricking her into, into yeah. bed with the cards. Aye, so
1: that's a trope as well. Like, the whole, the woman is pure and virginal and loses that kind of worth by... Once she loses her virginity, like it's that kind of. Living Let Die, I wrote a few for her. There's kind of a. Uh, they're a bit more subtle, they're not as obvious as the turning pussy galore and the sexual harassment in Thunderball, but there's certainly some tropes, certainly, in um, Living Let Die. We've obviously talked about Octopussy as well, we don't have to go into depth about all these. And some of them are here, like the Moonraker one's very small, and that's not, I'm not even sure if this is right. I've written Moonraker, the master race, all white thing. I, I can Hobart see. Did it. have the kind of no, Nazi no, no, no they weren't right, white actually. I know, were that's, all what, right. I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I can't remember. Uh, From the clips I watched, um, I thought they were, but I, I remember thinking at the time they were actually more diverse. So that's why I haven't. Would... And also, it would fit the plot in the sense that he is essentially a Nazi. So is that actually? That's what I was gonna. Like, yeah. that's that. That's a plot. Your no
3: point. So yeah, like that. that's. He's obviously a villain. So yeah, they
1: weren't exactly. It's not like the the people. Yeah, so that fits. So there's only one minor minor point that is like like a groan, but it's not like a big one that. And I have to. That's why I'm saying this. Like some of these, you'll look at these and go, okay, any bit groan worthy,
4: um, but like they're not as bad. Some are worse than others. I would say though, I see what you're saying about Chang there, but you you could look at it from the other angle, which was what I mentioned about you said about all the black villains in living and Let Die, you could, the converse could be, people could say oh, why did it take um, eight films to give a, a black guy a chance to be a top Bond villain? Yeah,
1: you know what I mean? Because they're mean... such
4: strong characters it's the same as like, why, I think up to that point, I don't think they ever had uh, a kind of like Asian or Oriental um, looking henchmen. I don't no, think.
1: What I'll say so, on that is, so firstly, on *Living and Die, they did really well with the henchmen. They gave them all different sort of quirks and personalities. they had a great villain. They, 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 they fucking nailed the villains in that film, and not in a kind of like. Um, they didn't have a, a white male, uh, white like lead and like black henchman. They went, they had all different types. They were it was fantastic, and unfortunately, they've never, they've never
4: repeated that. They haven't done that. You know, and it was just the black exploitation thing. Um, the thing is as well, if you look at the bit that's that's focusing Mr. Big when he's actually in Harlem, you've got to be honest and say, well well, first of all go back goes back to Fleming, but realistically if it was Harlem and Harlem well, you could say why are they having it as Harlem as the setting, but if it was Harlem and there are guys working for Mr Big they probably would be black.
1: No no, yeah, exactly. That's fine. they nailed it. What they, they
3: would have, have all been had, black, but would they, they have all talked like that? Would they have all said the things they were scripted to say? I yeah, think was one couple, of the sort of elements.
1: Was, yeah, some of the, some people, I, I'm not really, like, good at knowing what, like, some people some people criticise the dialogue to say it's clearly a white man trying to write for a black man, like hey honky, and all these kind of things that
3: they yeah. can
1: not say. Um, and there was a few things, like, I think the, the, the way that it gets uncomfortable for me is, Solitaire should have been black, I know that goes against the the Fleming part, because obviously she wasn't black in the book. But I think for the film, she should have been black. Because then it doesn't lead to this uncomfortable thing where this virginal woman is being trapped by all these black men, and the white man saviour saves her from the black villains. Like that's
2: really. But there's also the fact that she's a virgin, simply because they couldn't deal with the idea of a black guy sleeping with a white woman.
1: Yeah, that's that's. I was about to come to that. Like the the dialogues, there's a line that suggests you know I was going to you know whatever weight or something you know, and it's like oh the tropes. There's multiple tropes happening here, and 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 obviously uncomfortable, slightly casual racism in that. Like the verb the virgin woman thing is a trope, and I, I don't. I think that's a bit like ugh and then that. Is like really uncomfortable, so they all kind of mesh together to me. That's why Live and Let Die is such a hit and miss for me. Like, there's many things I like about it, and that stuff is just not great.
2: The thing is, what's quite sad about all this, <clears throat> excuse me, in a way, is that, you know, when we watched, like, say, I watched things, the videos I used to watch, like Octopus and Live and Let Die and all that, say, in the very early 2000s, so roughly about 20 years ago, you know, you'd notice these things, and I think I mentioned it before, but, but, it wasn't now, do you know what I mean? So, like, as time goes by, we're, there'll come a time in the next 20 or 30 years where these films, some of them will be unwatchable hmm. because we've moved on so far in time, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's like the old, um, like, silent movies and old, really, really old films. It's not a lot of folk watch them now, do you know what I mean? Like, time's moved too far beyond them. I think that's so, like, a format thing more than Well, I guess that's quite an extreme example, but, like, t- as time goes on, like, there are some things that, they're just too old to really watch anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're kind of they they're, they're too yeah.
1: dated, I suppose? Poss- possibly. It's hard to tell. Like, I mean, I've spoken to people, um, you know, that you would think could be offended by this, and they recognize it, and some of them, just because, like, similar to you, Fran, when you said Sticks and Stones, it's like, yeah, the time is dumb, but it doesn't bother me because hell, you know, I like this about it, the action was great, all that kind of stuff. Bond's kind of hard. There's definitely a lot of people that can look past it, but.
2: You have to still recognize that. Oh yeah, a yeah. Like, well, I I mean, if you think about it, the very like little, the very rhymes, sticks and stones will break my bones, does recognize the existence of insult, insulting names and words. So, so just because you ignore it and don't allow it to affect you, not ignore it, just because you move, rise above it or wh- whatever the way is, it doesn't doesn't mean you don't recognize that it exists and that it's wrong in some sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I find it interesting there. So you've got one. Um, uh, oh, see when you've you've got um Mr. Kidd and Mr. Wint there with the um the, the pervert, like seen seen as perverse at the time, right?
1: Yeah, I've really got a question mark there because that's obviously. I
2: think it, I think it maybe, I think it was I think it was seen as like a a weird thing, like that if they were a couple of weirdos, we'll make them gay as well. But there was also um one of them I about this bit. We didn't one of them like just go and put perfume on, like women's wow. perfume.
4: What was that all about? I don't think there was... Uh, I think with them, I don't think there was anything directly homophobic. But I think that it's, it's a sense of... Like, see, with that film, everything was accentuated a bit too much. It was, like, the likes of the perfume, you know. Why did they need to have that? You know, it's like, let's just accentuate the fact that they're... I know, but do gay men wear women's perfume? That's what the point is. Exactly, well, that's yeah, weird, I is Yeah, I agree with you, yeah, because it's, yeah, it's, it's I think weirdness. Obviously... Thought femininity—that's uh, probably <laughs> yeah. And some of the—I suppose you could say like, some of the the lines because you mentioned Steve when we did the podcast for that that um they didn't really or it might have been me, actually they didn't really say anything serious. Anything they said was just like a very obvious one-liner, an mm. exchange between. They didn't really talk normally, so there were. It was just it was a symptom of that whole film. Everything about that film was eccentric, just too much. It's the same as like. Charles Grey's Blofeld, They just made them too much. This, so the overall what we got with that film was a film that was just too much.
1: Yeah, right. So what's the best way? We just go through them chronologically, or just want to tackle a few of them. Uh... Okay,
4: I'm just looking at this.
2: That I, I was making me like smile with discomfort. Actually, yeah. <laughs> like, yellow face.
3: God, no one's ever said face. smile with discomfort before.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It's like awkwardness. Like when I'm reading it, like, oh my god, yeah, I forgot about that one. us okay, let's, let's tackle You Only Have Twice. And
1: that feel, to me, that's one of the ones that has multiple different types oh, of yes. issues. And I yeah. think there was like two or three that just I feel are the worst for lots of little things. Like You Only Have Twice, Live and Let Die, and The Man with the Golden Gun. I feel like there's kind of a, they're the main guilty parties for like lots of usually or casually racism and things like that. So you only have twice then, yeah.
4: The bond turning Japanese. Oh my section. god. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned one of the, before we even uh, reviewed the film at the start. I, I mentioned it was the one thing that that was just a a big detractor to the whole film. It was just and it it was so unnecessary, and then he gets in the water, oh, and it's all removed all of a sudden, you know, all that, I mean... Do you know, the thing is, he looked weird as well, I
2: mean, like, I think he looked like Spock from Star Trek or something. Yeah, like, the hair, like... the, the
4: flat, forward fringe thing. It was, it was so like... connery as well. It was so unconnery. I think, you know, I talk about, obviously, like, Bond being this kind of classy guy, and... Especially having the Connery always kind of had a bit of like a stoop anyway, but they really accentuated that. And he just Con, Connery kind of looked uncomfortable in that, guys. It just oh, it was so stupid. And it, it's also it also kind of Tiger Tanaka is a top ally, but they kind they, it detracted from his character a bit once you get into that whole situation.
3: That scene in his house just felt because you're right, Tanaka's a fantastic kind of ally, and I love i mentioned obviously the the underground that he's got the work and the help that he gives Bond and the how utterly hospitable he is to Bond. But that scene when they enter his house, and I mean the scripting just dives into absurdity there, where it's kind of the whole you know rule number two in Japan: men come for, men always come first, women always come second. That mm. I mean, it's it's so I mean it's blatant. And then you've got the you know ooh, very sexiful. And it's just the way, and if if it, it feels more to me like lazy writing, it is again. It's a team of white men writing for what they, for some reason, assume a Japanese man in a house full of naked women would sound like. Yeah, it's 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 really that particular scene is is really bad. I mean, that's the whole sort of men women subordinate thing as well. They walk in and immediately three women start bathing them. That's I mean that's that's never happened anywhere. Even in a, a Japanese intelligence boss's house. It's it's played entirely for the um it's it's part played for laughs, part played for kind of titillation of that particular demographic that they obviously wanted watching the Bond films. It's, it's the, particularly yeah. uncomfortable.
1: It's the heightened male fantasy aspect of this franchise, but yeah, this is where it got to that kind of like uncomfortable uh, element, I would say. Um,
3: yeah, and it's it's the the writing as well as the situation. The situation situationally, it's bad enough. I mean, you could watch that on silent and go, "There's something wrong with this." But then you listen to how it's scripted. But I mean, right from the very start, that um, chat in the pre-title sequence between Bond and Ling, the, the why the Chinese girls taste better. Discussion. I mean, I, I I struggle to watch that. It's so cringeworthingly bad. Such
1: a weird start to the film. Like it
3: that. really is. Yeah, you know, the the duck caviar discussion. It's and then her response is. I uh, know. Oh, no, I just I just shudder every time I see it. Yeah,
1: the whole wedding thing. I mean, I thought that part is just slow in the film anyway. Like it's it's kind of boring, but also yeah, the. The selection part and the kind of dialogue about i doesn't want i think it was something I've written doesn't want a peg I can't remember the dialogue line or something like that, but it's just all a bit much for for me anyway, but also um the the main bond girl wasn't named in the film i I mentioned this just because i mean this is just maybe <laughs> they just forgot I don't know, but when has that ever happened before, like why is that?
3: I was I, supposed to say who's the main Bond girl again, but if you can't name her, that's going to be incredibly difficult.
4: Is it? Kissy Suzuki, yeah, it's strange how, like, because she played all... quite a key role later on. You would think somehow they able to. It's I don't. It's not something that I've really ever. I never. I've I thought about the fact that they didn't name her, but it wasn't something I thought. Oh, that's you know they're um, there's something you know going on there. They're deliberately not mentioning her because they don't think it's you know worth mentioning her, but.
3: I wonder if that was a continuity accident where they did introduce or cut the scene. But again, I think if there had been a woman in the panel who was reviewing the film, they would probably have stood up and go, hang on, why have we not named her? So it might just be a kind of, one of those kind of oversights. Um, But that whole film, despite parts of it being fantastic, it does play a lot on that slightly sordid um, male Asian girl fantasy type yeah, thing which that's, is that's it. It, 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 it i mean it's 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 a downhill
2: fall uh, that one Quite you know i ha- I have to say actually I-, I have never really understood that what is that all about so what because I know that like I don't know like I've heard people say it before, but like there's almost this kind of obsessiveness with Asian women in particular right now you don't get me wrong, I mean I get no problem with any women from anywhere i've beautiful women all around the world whatever fair enough right but i don't really get like what is that phenomenon i don't what, know but where does that come from
3: absolutely no idea i don't quite understand it
1: guessing something to do with the other if it, if it's coming from a western point of view it's, it's just something no
2: I, know, I, i'm just you wondering thought, I, like I, mean, why technically... I don't actually know i
1: don't actually know a lot about that like is that is
2: that yeah i mean but why not like Why? Because you never hear them say it about, like, say, Hispanic women or black women, or do you know what I mean? There's always Asian women, and I just keep wondering, like, what is that all about?
1: I've heard of, like, Japanophiles, that people are obsessed with Japanese culture, like, in video games and things like that. Um, Oh, yeah. There's that kind of stuff. I don't know if it comes from that, but a lot of their, like, characters in their fantasy games are really young, like, almost childlike young girls and stuff like that, which is why it's always a bit strange. Oh, dear. Yeah. Anyways, uh so yeah, you only Have twice definitely has a fair few points, talking points for this podcast.
2: Well, I so we
1: covered a little bit the On Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service. Fran, you covered you mentioned a point I'd forgotten about Bond manipulating someone into bed. But yeah. Uh the other point I always think of is that really weird scene. With the,
2: the dinner with the, the female assassins. Oh, God. I <laughs> mean, <They all laughs> foods that are
1: seen as cultural stereotypes.
2: Oh, my brother. God. I mean, what? that's I like, honestly, like, it, you know, it's just head in your hands. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. What is going I mean, on here? That
3: was up there as kind of as stupid as the Indian stereotypes in octopus until you get to that banana. Uh. Oh God, no! No, oh. no. they've not given yes. the one black woman a banana. That's, I mean, that's
4: <laughs> And It is. It's so strange because it's obviously it was a conscious thing. It's not like it just slipped in there. It's like somebody's consciously made it that way. Yeah, you it, know. And it, it took right. me a long time to notice it because it happens so it sh- you know, it cuts so quickly. But what it's like some somebody thought? has somebody has actually made. I don't know who. Someone on the crew must be the directors. Just.
2: You know, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, them. you know, it, there's no way that anything. I mean, you're right, Gordon. Everything's there for a reason. Like, <laughs> nothing. Everything on a film set is, like, thought about, isn't it? Like, everything. Yeah. And, you know, carefully, like, I mean, that little shot, you know, that's what it was edited into, but, like, we don't know. I mean, they had to sit her down, set her up, set the camera up, get the lights ready, record, you know what I mean? Like, they really thought about this. But, I mean, just. I wonder if
1: they explain S- to the
2: actress as well. Like yeah, you're 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 good at banana. <laughs> well I always thought what did she think of this? But the thing is like I mean give it, you know, we have to we have to say that, don't we? Okay. That setting a getting a black woman on the screen and giving her a fucking banana as her dinner is not a good thing to do. <laughs> I mean it's just objectively terrible, isn't it? It's also yeah.
1: like sure a character may have banana for breakfast, that and on its own isn't a bad thing but it's in the context of you see other characters given things that are seen as stereotyped and perceived as the stereotypical dish of their nation or whatever was a was it the chinese or was it an asian character not eating some sort of rice, the or rice or oh, it was all of yeah. them yeah yep. Yep. yeah so like it's, the, it's like it's then when you piece that together that someone said yeah you're getting this and you're getting that and it's like oh <laughs> it's such a tight film in many ways I mean, I feel like I still have issues with the final third, the big bobsled battle with Blofeld, your main villain. But two thirds of that film are fantastic and a real gut wrencher of an ending as well. Was mm-hmm. fantastic, and to have this scene and the other thing that Fran mentioned, really, ah, oh, it's like, ah, oh, it's gutting
2: actually. you know? I think, you know, it I would be very, very grateful. Say if they did a project where they tried to, I don't know, maybe fix some of these things in Bond. So let's say some very small moments were trimmed in edits, mm-hmm. and then you, you could have almost like... Because the thing is, it's not rewriting history in this case. It's not, do you know what I mean? There's people who'll argue and say, oh, it's like the Egyptians striking things off the walls or whatever, but it's not like that, right? I think Honor Our Majesties could be... A, I mean, it is a fantastically brilliant film, but imagine that film with those little tweaks... Those wee bits taken out, or like you could fucking CGI normal food on the plates or something. I or think
1: you could definitely easily do the the dinner scene. You could take all of that out. I wonder, and, uh-huh.
2: and probably
1: and, it and... wouldn't affect the film so much. The end final fight that's not a Bond's date kind of thing. I just think like, it's stupid. But I don't know how you would easily manipulate that. But Blofeld one? the bobsled fight at the end of the film, sort of uh. chase down the bobsled. I just think it's a bit silly. It's like Blofeld's a big villain. Yeah. And it's like a bobsled chase and it's like kind of, it like gets caught in a branch or something. and oh. um But yeah, I, know. I I get your point though, like the idea of tweaking here and there just to completely change up scenes to fit context, yeah, I think that's a, bit, a fantastic project and that's one of the films that could easily be fixed.
2: Uh, that's the thing, like, I mean it's one of those things where um I mean, I'm very, I mean, I'm against the idea of, like, whitewashing, funny choice report, I suppose. But, like, pretending, like, things were always okay and history, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, for viewing pleasure, imagine being able to watch, for instance, Goldfinger with that barn scene cut.
0: Because it's Uh, completely
2: unnecessary. Yeah. And, and you you know, nobody would have to worry about that anymore. You know, you just go and watch it and, you know, do you know what I mean? Because I'd have second thoughts about introducing any children I have to bond until that was done. Mm. I mean I'm not entirely sure I'd want to sit down a son or daughter And put on James Bond with those kind of scenes in it
1: Well you could pick and choose I think Spy Who Loved Me It uh, the, the, the doesn't have anything that I, I've i not got it here, I couldn't think of anything that, Nothing came to my head
2: Oh yeah, but, yeah. There's, there's certainly ones I would show them But I guess what I'm saying is it'd be nice to be able to show Any of them I wanted to With them being quite safe Do you yeah. know what I mean?
1: Right, okay, so we've covered this uh, We've covered these two We'll move on Um
4: I mean, there's a few you've got up there, Steve, that I don't think are... I hadn't really thought of as big issues, but... Um,
1: well, I remember you're I did right. say that they're, they're, some of them are smaller than others. They're not all... Like, I can see ones that aren't as big. They're, they're, there's the groaners as well.
4: Um, that, well, I was going to actually add one, because um, it was to follow up a point you made, which I was going to say, because you said about, obviously, Bond's violence towards Titania on the train, hitting her unnecessarily. He does the same and it's done much probably worse, I would say, in, in Diamonds Are Forever, where he hits Tiffany Case. It's it's the bit next to when they find Plenty of Tools' body, and she realises that Bond is um, actually a government agent and not, um, not actually a diamond smuggler. And he he hits her so unnecessarily, and that's similar to um, from Rush With Love. I just, unnecessary, unnecessary is the word. And I think you've also probably even worse still, is that the pre-title sequence, we mentioned before about the girl with the the bikini lying out in the sun lounger, ask Marie, so Bond, Bond goes, he finds Marie lying there, so oh, is there anything I can do for you? Um, It's like, if she's working for a Blofeld, she's hiding where Blofeld is, surely Bond would just ask her first, like, where's Blofeld? Um, but no, he goes straight into ultra-violent modes. Yeah. it's just unnecessary, you know, he would, surely he would at least try to sort of questioner, maybe even you know, maybe a bit aggressively questioner, but not but why is he going turning straight to just like rips off her bikini and strangle. Is that's just where it's again that's the syndrome of Diamonds Are Forever, which is excess accentuating certain details. And I think the other one, the actually the main one that I was gonna add actually, Steve, was just like um quite a big one for me is actually on the living daylights. The, the, we mentioned in the podcast Bond and, and car Up and the, the Ferris wheel, the whole line or. Oh, and it was so un-Timothy Dalton, and it was so unBond. Like, he just kind of, like, does sort of, like, pull her towards him and says, just let it happen. That line, is just, that's that doesn't feel right to me for a Bond. It's getting in the same territories we had with Pussy Galore. And, and the thing is, Bond's meant to be this guy. is just so attractive to all women. He shouldn't have to behave like that. You know what I mean? Mm. He shouldn't he shouldn't have to be forcing himself towards Pussy Gore. I would even say and, and let me say, Steve, you have not mentioned Goldeneye in that list, which <laughs> um there's something I, I think very, very minor, but a um on the beach bond he does kinda pull Natalia towards it. I don't think that's quite right. You don't you don't be forcing a woman into a kiss. It's a similar it's actually a similar kind of thing there. Not, not that it's one of the biggest things of the whole franchise, but if we're looking into that sort of level of detail...
3: I'd forgotten that pretty much the entire pre-title sequence for Diamonds of Forever is Bonds hitting women and asking where Blofeld is.
4: Well, let, let's, it's, well, to be it, he, he, totally he, he fair... Just cho- he did. chokes him, I think, and then he no, hits not? Like yeah, well, I was going to say, Steve, yeah, he's not... It's one woman, not that is That's it? an excuse, yeah, but...
3: Maybe he's, he I va- va- that, then.
4: Yeah, Bond's kind of an ultra-violent, wouldn't he? He attacks a couple of men um, to find where Blofeld is, but that, yeah, there's there's obviously there's a few issues with the whole pre-title sequence.
1: So Diamonds are forever. We'll tackle that
4: one first that you have mentioned, Gordon.
1: Yeah, you're right. Uh, I did remember, I I'd not completely forgotten the opening scene. Um, I had forgotten how kind of violent it was, or, like, unnecessary, or wasn't... I, for some reason, it slipped my mind to add it. The, yeah, uh, right, no, you're sometimes... completely right though. That it's not great. And also, I'd completely forgotten the Tiffany case thing. I still can't remember the scene. If I'm honest, uh, but yeah, you're right. If, the, if that
4: happened yeah. completely. That good call on bringing that one up. Uh, I think sometimes it's part of this. The see the people that are writing for Bond of the producers, the director, they're not exactly sent out to offend. But I think there's just there's a disconnect, especially in the other films, between. Um, their view in the world, and you know the how you know the viewers will look at the world. You know, it's it's tr- the likes of the all the you know the the things I mentioned about Doctor No. It's and they're the, they're they're misguided with certain things. I think what they were tra- what they were trying to show in an indirect way was that Bond was hunting Bofeld because his wife was killed by well, he's actually to Kilbert or Mabunt, but in Blofeld's hands, so he was hunting down Blofeld, but they did it in the completely wrong way. It was the right sort of idea The Bond was vengeful, but they just they carried it out in such a misdirected manner, yeah. and then it actually get forgotten about for the majority of that film.
1: Yeah, it really is just the pre sequence, if we're honest about that, that shows any kind of vengeful mode that he's in. Again, it goes into mm-hmm. casual It takes its own plot, the diamond stuff comes in and it kind of has its own plot and Blofeld just happens to be part of it. Um, Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever, there's there's obviously more than there that I had even remembered. Um, So yeah, not great on that front. Um, there's there anything more to add to the diamonds?
4: Obviously Mr. Kidd, Mr. Wint, we kind of covered a little. I guess um, well, with Tiffany Case, it's it's just briefly a point you mentioned before, just the sort of diminishing of her character who starts off a a really strong and assertive character and is just kind of prancing around in a bikini on the oil rig at the end, yeah. which is a bit of a shame. I think with the... You mentioned about what the writers' motivations
1: for why certain things and that they've obviously got a misguided I agree with. I think they're always thinking for Bond. They're always thinking, how do we make Bond look good? How does this help the scene? Bond is in... This mode, he, you know, he, he'll attack anyone, he'll do this to anyone, but then the execution, they're not nailing it uh, in these scenes, and that's probably why. Um, and it, it's it's also at the expense of everyone else looking either bad or weak or whatever. Uh, okay, so we, we did speak a fair bit on Living Let Die. I don't know if there's... We covered the sort of the, the racism element of it, um, and I've mentioned about Solitaire. But did we actually talk about the fact that he will uh, we did mention that Bond manipulates her and through trickery into bed using the, the yeah. tarot cards, so we kinda we've ha- we have kinda covered Living Like Die then as well. Uh so
4: we're kinda halfway here. Yeah, because the thing is, I mean, I if it I mentioned earlier if Bond if there was a real life double O agent who had to always chase the greater good to you know, keep to and the interest in national security, he probably would behave like that. But this is obviously him to cinematic audience. Mm-hmm. So that's that's again there's a disconnect there. But so there's a there's a there's a line they need to watch not to cross a line. I mean these films between what are real to make a spy ultra realistic and to make um, a spy to you know that's going to be a, for a cinematic audience a character that we're meant to all love. Okay, the Man with the Golden Gun, I feel, is the it's
1: one of the ones, the last main one that I feel has kind of multitude of weird and kind of slightly problematic being the word of uh, choice for this stuff. Uh, I'd forgotten about the Sheriff Pepper comment.
4: He calls people pointy heads. Is that, do you remember that line, Gordon? Yeah, um, I, don't, I, I don't really know what he means. But, well, I think I, it doesn't sound... Yeah, really it's nice, a I, I don't. Know, that I'd... Rationally, like, it's like, what actually is he meaning there? But yeah, they really. The bottom line is, he should not have been in that film. Yeah. Yeah. He does reduce it by
1: a good star and a half for me. Um, so there's that, and then there's kind of a. He's Bond seducing Mud um, Adams' character by. Well, at the, at the scene when he was also about to sleep with Goodnight, and I just. I hate this whole seen the way they've done it it's overkill and trying to make Bond look great he's able to seduce two women and one's willing to hide in a cupboard while he sleeps with the other the entire night ugh not not a fan of it um, don't know what you guys think
2: yeah it's... I mean what's that noise that was Gordon he's going to the toilet oh. um, so yeah I mean I almost feel like everything about Bond and women is wrong almost all the time like, even up to now, in some ways. Do you
1: know well, what I mean? Like, I, I disagree. I mean, I think they did it well with some of the writing in the later films. I, I Even most of Moonraker, I think, they did really well.
2: I get. Well, I, I don't know. And Loved Me. I, I guess maybe it just feels like an all-pervasive problem, but... Um, yeah, certainly that bit when he put, put her in the cupboard. I mean, talk about cruelty.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, that is really bad. I mean, there was this... Um, Film that came out it had Scarlett Johansson in it, and uh, uh, what's his name? Bradley Walsh. or something. What's his name? Is that what his name is? It can't be Bradley Walsh? Bradley Walsh,
1: the presenter of The Chase. <laughs> no,
2: no, uh, no. I can't. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, probably?
1: Yeah, they're similar guys. I
2: can see how you get them. <laughs> <laughs> it would be quite funny to imagine Bradley Walsh and, and I mean, right Scarlett Johansson as <laughs> like, the love interest with yeah. each other. But um, yeah, so there's a scene where like, he, he, well, I think it must be Bradley Cooper's character is having an affair with Scarlett Johansson's character. Um and then his wife comes to see him in the office and he locks Scarlett Johansson's character in the cupboard and then has sex with his wife in the office while she's in there and like obviously in that film that character's devastated and destroyed by that. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, mm. and that scene made me think of like the, when I saw the the Bond scene with uh, with the uh, you know what's her name again? She's like an ally agent, isn't she? Oh,
1: met many good night.
2: Works for MI6 as well.
1: Goodnight?
2: Like, yeah. I mean, now, remind me, Goodnight is an agent, isn't she?
1: Uh-huh.
2: I mean, that's, God, I mean, that's another problem, isn't it? I mean, she is not portrayed very well at all. No, yeah, it's
1: one of this the worst character portrayals I've seen in the entire
3: franchise. Poorly written woman. There was clearly none of them on the scripting team. Because, yeah, as we've discussed in uh, some of the Women of Bond uh podcasts um yeah she was she was played like an idiot unnecessarily and it it does feel like that was done for laughs to kind of appease that male audience
0: no exactly
2: and that's the thing is that it doesn't even make any sense because how could you possibly be trusted to like spy for the country or, or or handle like secrets that involve national security if you're that stupid
1: well that's the point. And those films were comedies, I said that back then they, they they push any believability out the window for the sake of a cheap laugh. Um but I don't like that as such, Because um, it's not it's not earned. it's not witty, it's cheap.
2: Do you know do you know what I find really funny actually, right? Is you get this kind of thing where it's almost this perception of Oh, but it's charming and this and that. But I mean there is charm to bond I even if you were to remove all these rotten bits, you'd still have charm in the Bond franchise. I think people make this mistake. If it's weird, it's like it's so. I, 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 there must be a lot of people out there who who miss the good old days when things were like this. You know, I, I mean, it's. Do you see what I mean? Like, there's a distinction between, you know, terrible stuff like this that we're talking about, and, you know, Bond can still be. I, I think Bond. Is presented as a cool, charming, suave character. Even with, like, probably more so if you take these bits out. Does that make sense?
1: Oh like, yeah, like definitely. Gordon's kind of
2: saying that. Like, why does uh, why does Bond even need to do these
1: things? <laughs> exactly. That's them. It's the writers fucking it up essentially, and thinking they are writing Bond to be super wanted, super like, um, kind of woman falling all over him. They'll sleep in. They'll sleep in a cupboard so that they can you know make him happy or whatever and and they're not going to put up a fight all this kind of stuff like it's just misguided is the word um and yeah it's it's shit and I I watch it and I just yeah head and hands kind of like oh, I'm I'm not enjoying that of a I don't want to side with this character like this is meant to be the the character you think is in other ways cool so yeah yeah, it's weird but uh, we'll move on from that obviously the last point there, um it's kind of similar to what you discussed earlier, Fran. It's similar maybe to the hitting Tachiano. It's kind of uh, hitting, obviously, Misanders. Anders. Um, so we probably kind of covered that, that general theme.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose it's a strange one in the sense that, you know, if if he's if he's battering an enemy, you know, I mean, but then again, I don't know. I don't Yeah, like, that's um, why
1: if, if he was hitting Xenia, nobody would bat an eyelid. Ah, uh-huh. like, yeah, because yeah. she is clearly just as capable of beating the crap out of Bond as anyone else. So, yeah, go toe to toe with zenya, But Ms. Anders, Tatiana, these are like kind of pawns in the schemes of villains. They're not, they're not fighters. That's why it's, it's. That's why another element of why it's dated.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh. Right. So we'll move quickly on. We're kind of about an hour and ten minutes now, I think. Are you wanting us to stop, Gordon? You sound like... Yeah. It. No, I just thought I'd mention, because you were hinting we're going on there and they move, move along. Well, we've
1: covered Chang anyway. You mentioned Chang from Moonmaker. Obviously, we kind of covered that slight stereotype there. I don't think there's much more to say on that. Uh, yeah. A View to a Kill I mentioned is here. It's just literally that the glasses it's sort of, it's a cheap laugh, it's a grown one I don't feel that's like a serious... The glasses? He wears those shades that you can just see all the women's lingerie essentially It's that kind of like... Well, you're moving
4: on to worlds not enough Yeah, we're oh, a few. Oh,
1: sorry, yeah, sorry <laughs> 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 I
4: Are that, you right. I, Steve, I told you not to keep writing shorthand We know you can
1: Yeah. that
4: a... <laughs> you, you need to be able to read it back
1: Yeah, exactly, this is where I, I, I feel The uh, hundred word shorthand of Whatever was. <laughs> Uh, I and mean,
2: that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, I get it. Like, a a kill, right?
1: Okay, we're talking about a kill now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, but that's the
2: thing, right? I mean, I feel, I feel a wee bit sorry for Roger Moore in a sense, right? Because, as well, because, I mean, what is, you know, basically as long as you're over 16 years old, you can shag anybody and, until like 99 years or until they're dead right now it doesn't mean to say that it's appropriate right so I'm not going there that's not what I'm saying but what I'm saying is like it's quite nebulous isn't it like what age people should be attracted to each other or, or be firing into each other it's quite nebulous I mean you know basically like doctors shouldn't fire into their patients pa- uh, teachers shouldn't fire into their students even if they're over 16 do you know what I mean like duty of care things so we know that Uh we also there's the the cliche of like young women marry an old rich man, you know, hoping he would die to get. His, do you know what I mean? That cliche. You've got um older men going abroad to to sleep with younger. Do you know what I mean? Like these are cliches you get right. And it is there is a thing about the dirty old man, and 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 we, like at the end of the day, um <laughs> uh, Bond was a a complete dirty old man in that movie. But the thing is like. You know, and and, and, and uh, Roger Moore even acknowledged that, didn't he? He, could, he he felt that himself. He was like, oh, this isn't quite right, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: But, but in a way, like, you know, I'll put it this way, right? I'd find it, and I did find it kind of unbelievable that women were throwing themselves all over Bond at that age, right? But I don't mind it if it's women who are into Bond when he's older. But it becomes creepy when he's doing it, doesn't it? It's just weird. It's like what what do you think can we define this like what age should anybody be what's the, 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 the I'm trying to think of the right way to put this right what's the youngest person that people should always be looking at, at like be be hooking up with right so say you're 50 mm, like, I, I, I,
1: yeah, I don't really think there is that like you can't draw a line on this stuff <laughs> it's say for instance well.
2: like I would probably want to date somebody who's under maybe in the mid 20s do you know what I mean like, 25 to an absolute minimum, probably. Do you know what I mean? Like, 26. I mean, I'm probably, like, you know, say someone who was maybe six, seven years younger than me, maybe. Like, does that make sense? Like, that kind of feels natural to me. Like, whereas anybody who's younger than that feels like they're in a different generation, almost. Or, like, they've got a different... Do you know,
1: do you know what I mean? So the the point that we've not actually brought this on is I've brought bond leading and suggesting multiple young women. I think it's 64 women in this film. It's one of the, I think, the most... And he's obviously 58 or whatever. Um,
3: that does just, I suppose, come down to an issue of casting. Because if that was Bond's in a Bond as a younger actor, if, for example, Pierce Brosnan had, or Timothy Dalton had played Bond in A View to a Kill, it wouldn't have looked as bad. It is just the fact that Roger Moore was so old by that point, pairing him with these particularly younger women looked ten times worse.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, that was... Uh, thanks, Steve, because you're actually bringing it on to my point. Because what I was going to say was, I may be wrong about this, but see that in the latter Bond films, once Roger Moore had his contracted, maybe contracted to three or four films, he then took in a film-by-film basis, and he kept doing this thing where I think he was, he was making it... He wasn't really committing to a film, and perhaps, I don't know, maybe to negotiate... Um, you know, a bit more money or something like that. I don't know. And he he tended to like certainly from for your eyes only onwards, he only committed to the film late in production and there was always a guessing game whether he would be continuing as Bond. Now I think with Utah Kill, you got to remember, I mean Tanya Roberts, she was quite probably one of maybe one of the younger Bond girls. She was certainly quite young. Roger was fifty eight. It might have been the case that they were expecting another actor, because I know with few Eyes Only, they were expecting another actor to come in, maybe w- well into production, and they may well have cast Tanya Roberts first. I don't know. Um, even Grace Jones, obviously, quite a bit younger. So maybe they did cast her before they knew Roger was definitely coming. But that's why it's so obvious, because, I mean, she's particularly young. But I think, see, if you look a couple of films before, to the likes of few Eyes Only, there was, I mean, there was a no, if you really look into it, there's a big age gap between Roger Moore and Carol Bouquet, who plays Melina Havlock. Now, the thing is, I think because is such a, well, to me, she's such a strong character, you don't really think too much about the age gap there. And we obviously discussed how, um, you know, Stacey Sutton wasn't the best written character. I think Melina Havlock was just such a sort of, like, deadly assassin with a crossbow. She There was some very great, serious dialogue between her and Moore. I think, to me, like, you overlooked it there. That was maybe the biggest age gap ever. Actually, that might have been a bigger age gap than with Tanya Roberts, but um, to me, it didn't. you didn't really think about that because it was such great chemistry between the two actors. But it's a very, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It's, I mean, it's it's really obvious in a view to a kill.
1: It's a shame because otherwise there's no issues that I can see in the film that I can think of. And I don't think it's even, uh, again, I, I state that I put that down as a talking point. It is not one that I feel is like representative of the worst that Bond has dated. Bond's I mean literally obviously he had dated is the joke Fair but um so like what was I gonna say there? Yeah, it's 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 probably more representative of the trope that you see in a lot of films. Right? and it's just this is the most extreme example. I think he sleeps with the most in a film that I think it was four different ones and they're all young. He was at his oldest. That's the one that he looked his oldest. He'd really had aged like by this point. The rest, he kind of pulled off.
4: You can see it by your eyes only starting to age a little. But a view to a killer, he looks like a granddad. Yeah. What like... says it all, Steve, about all this is the fact that despite these good points, we did enjoy that film exactly. enough. I mean, we rated it very highly. So, you know, it just shows that there is points. But, um, yeah, that, you know, sometimes there's, there's so much good stuff in the tank there in that film that you can kind of forget about it at times. Well,
1: yeah, so the point of this podcast is obviously just focus on that stuff. I've got lots of great things to say about A View to a Kill. Aside from that, this is one of the only things that, apart from maybe the middle section, being a bit boring. Um, the the film is, is good, and I, and I think it's just this is a shame, this is a point that he kind of it's a noticeable point, and it's again, a bit more of a grown one. It's like, oh yeah, of course. I, and it's more as well, because it is a lot of Bond doing the sort of kind of seducing. It's not all just him being
4: sort of seduced by the women as well. And so really obvious in that film as well, because it's like Bond that is like most seductive yeah. in that film. It's almost like they overcompensate. Like yeah. They wanted to they convince the... the
1: audience that, no, no, he's definitely still a chance. There's James Bond. The women love him. Look, look, there's another one. <laughs> look, there's another one. look,
4: there's another one. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you're straight into even the pre-title sequence with um yeah the... the I think it's Kimberly Jones or the the character's name, um well off screen but like you know, it's straight into that bit it's like Moonrakers are one of these films where right? you know so
1: Okay. Right, so we've kinda of covered off which I feel are the main ones that are the ob- the really kind of obvious stuff. Then we had a few films after this one, uh starting with Adult Meter. Um the Just Let It Happen line, you guys obviously kind of mentioned that in the podcast before. That was one of your main issues with that film actually. Uh yeah, I like one of you take obviously just that the, the, the kind of creepiness of it, the the setup, the fact that it all it needed was a line change and the whole meaning of the scene could be a bit, a bit easier to watch, I think was the point Fran made, I remember. It felt like
4: sort of out of the blue.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um it's one that I can see the point, definitely. Um it doesn't actually bother me as much i don't know why it's more like um it's a bit of a creepy line but it's
3: like it's not i it's think, I think yeah. because it's a situation where a woman is showing some kind of restraint and bond is saying no 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 ignore that uh, just do it yeah, it's
1: yeah
3: it's that implication and it's it actually it does i agree completely that it comes out of the blue because it doesn't that like doesn't work particularly with dalton mm. it was right the way through the rest of the film
1: yeah.
3: yeah he's he's just he's the sort of archetypal um charming gentleman and mm. it's right all I needed was a, a line changer for just that line not to be used and it actually it would have been pretty much flawless yeah but yeah. i get that it stands out
4: yeah okay um yeah. It's because it's not just, it's, I think it's, if you look at the, it's like two lines, it says, don't, I think it says, don't think about it, just let it happen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's like, do you know when you're younger and like people say, t- say to your kids, like, say no to drugs, like, avoid strangers and stuff, like, see, don't think about it, just let it happen is like, that's the kind of thing the bad man would say. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> Isn't it one of those danger
3: sort of TV adverts? Uh-huh. Stranger danger. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs>
4: just like
2: I mean, it's the pit that 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 is It's creepy. It's creepy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it, it, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, you know, it's just see when somebody says, "Don't fucking think about it." You better fucking think about it. Because, you know, that's a red flag right there, by the way. <laughs> Fair sure. point. Yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine if i went into to sign a fucking loan agreement or something and the guy's like, don't think about it, just let it happen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love taking that light and putting it in that context. That's
4: brilliant. <laughs> that should be an advert but... ad campaign. Just life in general, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't think about things, we should just let it happen. <laughs> 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 just the human race just <laughs> so sort of, like walking forward blindly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. If I ever set up some sort of company and I need an ad slogan, that's just let it happen. <laughs> just buy it. Just just let it happen. Yeah. Buy my stuff.
2: And question nothing. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh so Goldeneye Gordon, you mentioned this one. This is the uh Brosnan scene on the beach, uh sort of kind of forceful kiss with Natalia.
4: As, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the sort of thing I was expecting to return to, because I don't think it's a huge thing. I just think that you can, if you're going to say, if you're going to talk about um been a bit forceful with women in the earlier films, it, you know, you, you've got to acknowledge that as a later film where it does touch those boundaries, and it was, I just don't see how it was necessary. Not a guy of, of you know, bonds. Everyone talks about his magnetism and his you know, women find them sexy and all this stuff is...
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I just... Right. They probably, that, yeah.
4: That's all I would say about it, really, yeah.
1: I think the writers were obviously going for passion there, but I think it does come across, yeah, like, more forceful, considering the history with the franchise, it doesn't quite work.
4: And that bloody scorn, that you know, I don't... Oh, I'll not even start. That's <laughs> perfect, it's perfect. That I, can't, I, I can't remember
2: if I'm actually, if I'm going against my own opinion or something. Like I can't really remember what my line on this was. Cause, but I, was it myself or was it Gordon? I can't remember. Wasn't it ludicrous that, like, Bond even kissed Italy, or like boy in Italy, I kissed after the train explosion or whatever. I
3: would
1: have kissed Rosen if he'd saved me in that scenario, to be honest, but um, that's maybe a different story. <laughs> no,
4: would yeah. have... you, you would have kissed anything in Goldeneye. <laughs> 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 if it says Goldeneye on it. Sorry, but I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> I point, fair point. Everyone was a, like a sexy I'm, man. Let's get it, Maddie. Uh, Golden, aren't you? Yeah. especially when he becomes all dishevelled and starts drinking at the hip flask and all that.
1: that. That's what's come to. I can't agree here. Yeah,
4: listen, I, I probably get. I think we all we all sort of our favourite films. So, yeah. uh, no, I, I, fair I, enough, and I understand Goldnizer your film. Aye, it's it's not a bad film. Sorry, um, <laughs> I, I and who was it that watched it last night? Uh, yeah. It was It was me actually.
1: Okay, then there's only two more I've got in the list. I don't know obviously if anybody has any more they want to talk about but through three, but the world is not enough. I don't. I mean, again it's this is the most grody kind of one, it's sort of, sort of a cheap laugh. Uh it's just you know, it harkens back a little to the humour of the older films. Brosnan uh with Bond obviously wearing the, the X ray glasses and essentially just gazing at women in lingerie. Um again, it's not It's not exactly up there with the the worst of the worst <laughs> if done I don't think, but I don't know what you guys think of that.
3: The scripting for that movie, as I think I've said a few times, <laughs> particularly that pre title sequence, is awful. And it's the issue here is that they they should have known better. The Murira had ended at least, what, ten, fifteen years beforehand. There's no need for Would you like to check my figures and uh I I could barely remember the other lines. But there's it's
1: I'm sure they're perfectly rounded.
3: That that's all that kind of stuff, the sort of innuendo. Was was the roaders not off? Was that the pumper for information one? No, was that that's the, actually
1: Tomorrow Never Dies.
3: Uh, ah, that's tomorrow. right, yes. So that's that that's where car. it slowly started to come back. That's right. Um but yeah, it's just that there sh- that shouldn't early late nineties, early two thousands, they should have got past that, but someone's obviously made the editorial decision somewhere for that kind of stuff to come back. And it's, I mean, it, you're right, It's at worst, it's grown-worthy innuendo. Yeah. It's, it's just not like, horrendous. Yeah,
1: it's like, it's the lower-scale stuff of just like, eh, yeah, it's funny, cheap humour, but it's not like, it's not the worst of the worst, uh, I don't think, anyway.
3: No, no, no. I think it's 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 not the worst of the worst, but it's it's the kind of casual sexism thing. It's the kind uh, of thing that you, you couldn't get away with it now. Mm-hmm. Quite right.
1: Yeah. And the last one I've got is Skyfall, the, the shower scene. Um the Severine. Again, it comes out of nowhere. Just it felt like the the But the the Craig Era has moved so far away from the, the stuff of the the Moor era. They're they're so different, they're worlds apart. You can't believe that Casino Royale is in the same franchise as Moonraker and Octopus. In. But um obviously there's little moments and uh, Skyfall kind of was the first to show that. I felt anyway, stuff and that scene, or that kind of yeah, the kind of I don't know, the casualness about it I think was the issue. I don't know what you guys thought. I know Fran, you disagree with this one, don't you?
2: Well, not really. I mean, I, on reflection, it is a bit odd wasn't it? Yeah. Just walking in the shower like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, you, know, you know, I think sometimes it depends you know, I. Opinions are fluid, aren't they? You know, you can, uh, you know, and I think it was also the fact that he just didn't seem to give a fuck that she died. Yeah, yeah, that
1: I agree with that. Yeah, you know, It'd be quite damn quick,
2: so not. so I certainly, yeah, my opinion on it's modified over time.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, is there anything else anyone wants to talk about or add or add to that point? Oh, really? No. Alrighty. Uh Do you disagree with some of these or like do you kind of just? Uh,
4: have you, do you think we have been a bit too critical, do you think? Um, no, not really. I just said the likes of... You You made the point about... Most of them, I think, are quite valid arguments. You said about maybe the use of Chang as an, an Asian bodyguard. I didn't quite see that, for example. And I, I, don't, I don't have a big problem with the thing with the X-ray glasses, but that, uh, that I, I think, they, apart from that, I just didn't want to obviously talk too much about it. I'd just be repeating what you guys have already said.
1: Yeah. I, most of these... The Chang thing as well, it isn't something that like Moonrake I don't feel, has like really any major issues. It's the only thing I could think, and it's not even a big one. It's literally just a bit of a stereotype that... To
4: me, I haven't said that, yeah, if I knew... what well, I, I don't have a like, great knowledge of martial arts. If I knew exactly... I'm sure it's meant to be Aikido or something like that. If I knew exactly how that was supposed to be, maybe I would have a, a different take on it, or how somebody would look that would do that. Yeah, but yeah. I, it's kind of a bit more... I think it's as well, because I find it quite a funny seen in a way how just, it's typical just Drax wants Bond killed in an elaborate way, so he he sends him to, like, chase Bond with a big, it's like a big um, again, this is like my probably my lack of knowledge, like martial arts coming in, it's like almost a sword type thing, and it it just, all this glass getting smashed, (laughs) it's like, you know, all of Drax's other elaborate ways of killing Bond have failed, so you yeah. get he get I actually mentioned forgot one last week. It, it's not only the ones I mentioned, but even Drax is another way to get Bond killed. Bond's in his Gondor and he has a like a pretend corpse come out of a a coffin to throw a knife at Bond. You know, it's just all that's that's the first thing I think of when I think of Chang and I actually think he's a Real, real good henchman. Yeah, but he's, blo- he's bloody menacing. That's a scary guy. I agree,
1: and there's two sides to this kind of argument. I think that the other side isn't so bad. That like, it's not a major issue. Like it's just a stereotype. But again, it's maybe it's not even as, as egregious in any way as the Optimus and stuff. But um, and, and and you can say that he had a memorable scene. He's you know you know kind of a lasting impact. Things like that. So. It's it's definitely not, like, I'm not putting these up in the same, like, they're nowhere near on the the same level. There's definitely degrees, but some are just worthy talking points. That's kind of what the the point of what I was doing with this. I think we've covered it. I think we have covered Bond Has Dated. Bond Has Dated. We've covered every single moment that has dated in Bond. Worthy uh, to note that we didn't mention The Spy Who Loved Me and License to Kill and For Your Eyes Only in any shape, really. Um, unless anybody else has anything to add. We also didn't mention Tower of Ever Dies and Die Another Day. Um or really any of the Craig films apart from Skyfall. So I, I think, think there's I'm, a common
4: uh, certainly a common theme, but see, for you guys only, Spy Who Love Me and License to Kill, you could say they've all got very strongly female characters. That's one thing they've really got. Yeah. And yeah, that, um. so that's no coincidence.
2: Yeah. I, I think also, you know, some of these things like maybe maybe to my mind, the examples we've picked are maybe the strongest examples of a type. So you could be going over the same thing again, looking at another film. Do you know what I mean? But it's right, not maybe like as gen- strong an example. Right, like
1: general yeah. just misogyny or whatever would just be like you'd, every single film would be here. But at that point, what's the point? Like we've got a, we've got a fair punch anyway. We've talked about a fair bunch So yeah, uh, yeah, completely agree. <laughs> if we were to just choose a, a winner slash loser, suppose it really is. Uh, if we're all to say the name of the film, I'm sure we'll all agree if we just uh, say it in three, two, one. Uh, Goldfinger, Goldfinger, Goldfinger
4: <laughs> <slash> Doctor No. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. maybe both equally. Fair play, fair point. There we yeah. go. I think Pussy Galore and Quarrel should get married. There's more of a long, <laughs> was more of long-lasting thing with Doctor No. That was the part of my issue with that. Uh... There's the in, thing with Pussy because the thing is as well, Pussy Go is just such a strong character that for most of that everything's great with her, but there's just that one short scene where it and undoes a lot of great work.
1: I would just add to that the just the line where they sort of play up how Bond was the one that kind of saved the day when actually it was her Like kind of But
4: yeah. Well that's see that's kind of the annoying. thing, Steve. I think I might have mentioned this podcast before, Bond is actually kind of inept in the second half of Goldfinger. Sure. He's, uh, honestly, he's really not on the ball in that film, which for all the plaudits I've given that film, he, you know, he's, it's pussy gore that, you know, that basically saves the day. And the, it's actually not Bond to defuse the bomb, it's the bloody guy from the CIA comes rocking up and just flips a switch.
2: Yeah. Ah. You know, I, I wanted to do an experiment, right? Where what you would do is you would basically re edit like a Bond film. And what you would do is, <clears throat> there's a lot of moments in Bond films where if the woman hadn't been there with him in that particular moment, he would have died instantly, right? So, like, say you re-edit it, the woman's not there. Someone like throws a throat knife at Bond, and he's just instantly killed, <laughs> and that's it. The movie's over, you know? Yeah. Like, this, like I, remember like, you said on the
1: podcast, "This is where Bond would have died." It's like ten seconds <laughs> into the film or
2: something. Yeah, but like, there's lots of occasions where Bond, you know, absolutely would not have made it through without his you know,
1: yeah.
2: Um, we, the woman in his life, basically. I mean, in general, I don't. I, I feel like I feel like we've covered. I feel like we have covered the 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 franchise. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Because there's, I don't know. I mean, there will be other examples in other films that we haven't talked about, and maybe smaller things or whatever. But I think that you know we've covered the main categories and the most. I uh, just, the most offensive bits. Because the thing is, right, like. As much as I tire of today's world and the way things are sometimes, I'm I'm no patience for for mobs or people getting offended, upset it. I hate all that. i am just no patience for it. For softies, basically. It's like, get a backbone right. But at the same time, honestly, some of the stuff that's going on in the Bond franchise has been so bad that I could understand why like, obviously it offends my morality. Do you know what I mean? Like I look at it and think, Oh my god, you know? Um I just, I, I guess, I feel like the reason, well, the reason that I'm really enjoying having this discussion today with about this particular stuff is because I think it's important, and I think that see if you're too easily offended, you minimise the impact of the things that you're trying to highlight, okay? Because if everything's offensive, then nothing's offensive, and I, I kind of feel as if some things, like because I, I, because I so rarely get offended by things. Then you know when I'm offended that it's something I take extremely seriously. Does that make sense? Like that I'm. Yeah. It's it's not just willy nilly.
3: No. Like, you have to. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You can't kind of if you if you shout about something being offensive too much, then it almost starts to lose meaning, and the genuine cases start to slip through the net. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Now,
1: yeah. I think we've of done that because I think the points we've made. Like I certainly I've tried to reiterate that. There is no way these are all on the same kind of level. Like, that's, I've kind of said it a few times. Some of them are just little, little cringeworthy moments, but they're not in any way truly detrimental for the film or anything like that. Some definitely are.
2: Um, well, the, the, the other thing that pleases me a lot about the four of us, right, is that I never ever get the feeling that any of us is trying to make ourselves. Like, there's no ulterior motive for us disliking things. Like, none of us we're not trying to prove anything to anyone, we're not trying to make ourselves look good, we're not, you know, I mean, we genuinely don't like these things because they're wrong, do you know what I mean? And I think that's really important, like, that any listener, like, I, th- I hope would pick that up from us, you know, that we genuinely morally object to these things. It's not because we want to get points or look good, is it? We just yeah, we just think yeah. they're wrong.
1: Yep. Uh, okay, so that does this final normal ranking episode. We only have the well, however, we decide to break them up. I think technically it's one category split over three. We'll have a worst Bond film debate and then we'll split the ranking of the final 20 over two podcasts. 10 obviously each. So, yeah, that guys, we are on the final home stretch. We are nearly there. We are nearly all bond experts, and yeah, by the next week, possibly whenever we do it, you'll be sick of talking bond and never want to watch a bond film again. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening, and go and check our other podcasts at uh, our Capish, uh SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Check the website as well, K A P W E S H dot online. There's there's articles, things like that, reviews, and obviously a link to all the other podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining me, guys. This has been fun. Bond is dated. It's still dated. going. But hopefully, uh, you know, we've got, we've got an entire ranking now to do. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And we will see you next time. The Bondast podcast will return. Bye-bye. Bond is dated. Bond is dated. Sexist misogynist. He don't care. Bond is dated.
2: Licence to offend.